This morning I was getting ready to leave. I leaned down and kissed Sheila who was sitting in the kitchen. And as I stood up, she asked me this question. Maybe you can help me with the answer. <laughs> Why are the salt and pepper shakers like that on the stove? <laughs> well, a couple of days ago, we were having dinner and as we were cleaning up the table, we've got two sets of salt and pepper shakers. One are the grinders. So it's got, you know, fresh pepper and sea salt. And we had those on the table, but we also, for some reason, had the other just regular salt shaker on the table as well. And so as I was helping to clean off the table, I took the grinder salt and pepper shakers and set them on the stove. And um, then I picked up the other one and I had set the grinders beside the pepper, the regular pepper. And so the space that was open was actually on the other side of the grinder. So the regular salt was here, the grinders, and then the pepper. And so when she looked at the stove and saw the, and I don't know if she'd seen him before or she's just waiting to ambush me. <laughs> she, she saw, and as soon as she asked that question, I knew exactly what had happened. And I said, this is kind of a picture of our marriage. <laughs> said, I'm just functional. I've just, there was, the space was open. I had put the grinders in the middle. The, the pepper was over there. There was the space was open. And so I took the regular salt and I just put it in the space that was open. Well, I found out this morning, that's not right. <laughs> because she's the visual one, as we talked about in previous weeks. And so when she, she asked that question, I knew exactly what she was talking about because I had just, Use the space available. And, and so she didn't say I'd done it wrong. Because as soon as she asked that question, why are the salt and pepper shakers like that? I looked and, and I scooted them over and I, and I put them, because that's how they belong. <laughs> now at this point, half of you are going, Sheila's exactly right. There's a place for everything and everything in its place. And, and, and that's next to godliness. And I don't know how you can be a Christian if you have things out of place like that. I mean, anybody, any idiot, Herb, knows that Sheila was right. I mean, that's where they go. That's how they are arranged. The other half of you are going, is, that's ridiculous. Just if the space is open, just put it there. Why make a big deal out of this? But the grinders are together and the ungrinders are now together because that's the way Sheila wants it. For our purposes, for the purposes of that, and, 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 and all, so all of you are now going, what does that have to do with anything we're talking about? For our purposes, there are times when I don't see things that the way Sheila sees things. I see them in a particular way, but she's, Sheila's a very visual person. 
So as we talked about, I think it was last week, there, uh, there are times I just rely upon her. How, how does this look? What is it? Because I know her ability to see visually, her artistic talents trump my functionality all the time. There are times when I don't see things that I need to see. There are, and there are times in our lives when we don't see because we're not relying upon the Holy Spirit. So does that connect enough to make it worthwhile? Um, can we turn the air on a little bit? I see people going like this. That means they're going to fall asleep in about five minutes, and I don't want that. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Now I've established that I'm not just telling you a story. Luke chapter 24, and we'll begin with verse 13. But also pull out your, your outline that's in the bulletin. And we're going to go through. So we've been looking at 10 truths, 10 realities, um, 10 lessons, 10 that uh, from this passage of Scripture it, that is still Resurrection Day. Jesus has risen from the dead. The women have seen him. Um, they've run back. Peter and, and uh, John ran to the tomb and they, they saw that it was empty. And now Jesus has joined these two that were walking on the road between Jerusalem and Emmaus. And so far, what we've seen is, number one, as life goes on, Jesus is near. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. As life goes on, Jesus is near. We've also seen that God is the reacher. He's the one who reaches. While they were talking and discussing together, Verse 15, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, and he said, so Jesus is, uh, God is the reacher. Number three, God uses angst to pull us closer. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. God uses the angst. God uses the questions. God uses the pain. God uses the difficulty. Verse 17, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Number four, God engages us by asking questions. We looked at this last week. God engages us by asking questions. The end of verse 19, Jesus said to them, what things? So in verse 17, he says, um, um, what is this conversation? And then in verse 19, what are these things? And, and we saw that God's purposes in relational conversation questions, when he asks us questions, is to stop us from going the direction that we're going, to expose the upside down stuff in our lives. So he, was, he wanted them to verbalize what they were thinking, what they were talking about, so that he could lead them differently. And then reveal God in his truths, which we're going to be talking about. And then to challenge us to repent and follow in fresh ways. So God engages us by asking questions. And after last week's message, I hope as you spent quiet time with God, you've been listening for him when he asks questions. Because that questions are a powerful way that God can redirect us to his, his plan. Number five, engaging God together is better. That's why we have the prayer gatherings, learning communities, the times together is because he said so much of scripture, so much of this relationship with him 
is about being together. And, and that's two of them on the road. And, and throughout all of this, there, there are people, I don't, there are rare times when, um, when God is working with us alone. And then number six, honesty with God is essential. When he asks us questions, when he's engaging us, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be real. We have to be transparent. God doesn't want Sunday school answers. He wants us to be real with him. And so beginning with the second part of verse 19, they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now, I, when, what we see in this, this part of the passage is um, honesty with God is essential, and they are being honest with him. And yet they're still loyal to Jesus. We had hoped that he was the one. And we can't make sense of what happened at the tomb or what the women were talking about. Or we, we, we don't understand any of this. And we're, we're still, we, we and, and they, they had the facts right, but they didn't have the message right. And so oftentimes we can be that way. We look in scripture and we can see the facts, but it takes the Holy Spirit revealing to get the message. The, the, the Pharisees had the facts correct. They had the scripture. Jesus even said, listen to the lessons that they're teaching you, but don't live like they live. They had the facts right, but they didn't understand who Jesus was. Which brings us to today's focus, and that is how we need to allow God to open our eyes as we walk in these relational, this relational uh, conversations. How we can allow God to open our eyes. And what I'm hoping is that by the end of the message, we'll recognize how much we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and allow Him to do that. So the seventh lesson or truth is that God is the revealer. God is the revealer. He's the reacher. You know, He's the one that comes up as they're walking along on the road and, and he just kind of joins them. He's the one that reaches toward them. But he's also the one who reveals. So look at verse 25, Luke chapter 24. And so after they were very, they were very honest with him. Here's what we thought. We, now we don't know what to think. He said to them, Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all, the things the pro- all that the prophets have spoken. That seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? On the surface. And yet, I think Jesus was trying to catch their attention. Oh, foolish ones. Wisdom is having the word of God and living by it. Foolishness is not doing that. They had the facts, but they didn't, they weren't connecting the dots. They weren't understanding it. Oh, foolish ones. He's stopping them. They had stopped because they were sad. And now he's stopping them in their mental tracks in their heart tracks and saying, I've got the message for you. You're slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. 
You know the prophets, but you're not getting it. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Remember, Jesus had tried to tell them that, right? Over and over again, he said, I have to go to Jerusalem. I have to suffer, be arrested, suffer, and die. But again, they, they just couldn't comprehend. Part of it was because they didn't have the Holy Spirit within them. It was just bouncing off. And then verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the thing, uh, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He took them back into the Old Testament passage and he says, here's here, 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 here. Now understand, when God is the revealer, it's not, it, it's not about uh, a harsh commander being mean and, um, and, and um, taking us to task. But it's about a loving Heavenly Father who wants what's best for us, and sometimes He's got to get our attention. Sometimes. Because the first arrow there is that we are blind by default. We are blind by default. We are born into this world sin with a sinful nature, and with a sinful nature, we grow up with that sinful nature, and with the sinful nature comes blindness. Our default is to not see the truth. And in our humanity, it's impossible for us to see the truth. If you go back to verse 15 of Luke 24, it says, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They were blind because God didn't want them to see yet in his time, but we're blind by default, because of the sinfulness. There's a profound depth, and, and I, I notice this constantly. There's a profound blindness in our world that is pervasive. There it is, and, and I, I watch it on the news, I watch it in conversations, I watch it in, in every part of our, the default of our world, of this upside down world, the default of this world that is still under the, uh, the, um, the, not control, but the kind of the, the mystical uh, spell of the enemy is blindness. And I, and I catch myself being surprised that people are blind. And then I have to go back to, no, Nobody has sight unless Jesus gives it to them. Amen. Our default is blindness. I put the scripture there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. The Apostle Paul speaking, or, or the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul says, the natural person, that would, the, the one without the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly or foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so when we, when we hear people spouting things that we know according to the word of God are not true, sometimes they're not, not because they're evil, it's just because they're blind. The world we live in is blind. And so they can't see spiritual things. They can't understand. He says the spiritual person judges or discerns all things. But he, but is himself 
to be judged by no one, condemned by nobody because Jesus has made him um, right. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. As we surrender and obey, and the Holy Spirit has access to us, he is the revealer. He is the one who can help us to see. But it's a process. It's a lifelong process. I can't, I can't tell you how many times just in, it, it seems like I, um, you know, after, I don't know, 40 some years of being a Christian, you'd think you'd see things, right? But just like that scripture about communion being spiritual warfare, that just in the last year, I'm going, how, how did I never see that? Because the Holy Spirit is the revealer and he reveals it in the time that he wants to reveal it. And so we're blind by default. There's just a profound depth of blindness. And becoming a Christian does not give us sight. Amen. It gives us the Holy Spirit and, and it begins to open our eyes. But only as we surrender, listen, and obey do we see the truth and the reality. Amen. There's such a pervasive, all-encompassing reality of spiritual warfare in our lives. And deceit is one of the biggest weapons of the enemy. Jesus said that the enemy is a liar and there is no truth in him. And so when we are, when, when we're not uh, following the Holy Spirit, when we're going our own way, when we're not paying attention, that deceit can come in. So we are blind by default. The next bullet point there is only God opens our eyes. Only God opens their eyes. So if you look at Luke 24 and, and jump down to part of the passage we didn't read today, verse 31, after all of this happened and they invited him in and he, and he blesses the meal and verse 31 says, and their eyes were opened. Not by themselves, but by the spirit of Jesus. All of a sudden they have this aha moment because they were just so smart. Right? How, how many times do we, we, we discover something, we go, wow, I must be really good. And not realize, we don't, I want you to listen to me, we don't discover anything. The only things that we understand about God and his ways are what, are what he reveals. Through his word, through his spirit, through God using somebody else. We're not smart enough because our default is blindness. Our default is living upside down. We need to accept this for ourselves and realize that that's why the surrender is so important. Because when we surrender, we say, God, here I am, whatever. whatever. You know, I'm, I'm nothing without you. I, I, I got, so whatever you want to do, just let me see what you want me to see. Otherwise, we will begin to think we're smart enough to figure things out. And that's what a lot of times happens to people who are trying to follow Christ. But they, they discover something and then they think by, if I, I can just figure it out, you know, I'm smart enough to figure it out. I just have to work hard at figuring it out and, 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 and not recognizing you can have, just like these two on the road, they had the information but they didn't have the Holy Spirit making sense of the information. We still need to work hard. We'll talk about that next week. We still need to work hard, 
We still need to study and, and you know, and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to guide us in that. So it doesn't alleviate that hard work. It's just a different kind of hard work. We can only know about God and his ways as he reveals it to us. And, and that's why I think it's appropriate that this is, we come to this passage of scripture on Pentecost. is because their eyes were open in that upper room in Acts chapter 2. It was the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. Open your Bible to John chapter 14, um, which is some of the most precious verses of the Bible. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. This is as Jesus is meeting with his disciples, preparing for them to, for, to go to the cross. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you really love me, you will walk in step with me. You'll do what I tell you to do because I'm the Savior, I'm the Master, and you'll follow and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Because they haven't surrendered their hearts to him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. The Spirit of God has been with them. And he will be where? In you. See, Jesus is, is getting them ready. He's giving them the information that will not make sense until Pentecost. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit, my Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And then jump down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God is the one who opens our eyes. That's why it, as you're reading scripture, and it doesn't matter how many times you've read it, you'll be reading along and, and something will jump out. A verse that you know, that you might even have memorized. And something will jump out and, you, and, and, and it, you go, I never saw that before. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals. It's his time, in his way, he reveals. Never before Pentecost had people had such a privilege. We look in, in, at the Old Testament, sometimes we shake our heads going, how could they be so stupid? Well, listen to me. You are just as stupid. And I'm just as stupid with the absence of the Holy Spirit. We're not any smarter. The difference is the Holy Spirit living within us makes all the difference. That's why when you accept Christ the Savior and begin to surrender and listen and obey, you, you look at what you did previously and you go, how can I have done that? Why? Because you were stupid. We're, we, we just are. We're ignorant without the Holy Spirit. That's not, a, that's not a, a criticism. That's just reality. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings the wisdom of God. As we surrender, listen, and obey. It doesn't mean we're any smarter. 
It means the Holy Spirit within us is working. The next bullet point, we must give God sufficient time and attention. So as these two were walking along, and Jesus shows up and he joins them and he begins to ask them questions and they respond. And then he says, oh, you foolish. Now at that point, they could have said, who are you to call us foolish? We're not putting up with this. And they could have just walked off on their own and left him behind. If they had done that, they would not have experienced the opening of their eyes. But they had to stay engaged with Jesus long enough to hear what he had to say and then open their eyes after they got to the house. They had to give them sufficient time and attention. As I was walking and praying yesterday, this, this uh, picture came to mind. Imagine a friend who we will call Spike, because I tried to think of a name that would not be anybody here or that you knew. Who comes to you and says, you know what, Sonny never talks to me anymore. You, being a compassionate friend, respond, well, that's, that's really sad. I'm sorry to hear that, because I know that you guys were good friends, and, and, and we're good friends too. Uh, when was the last time you tried? Spike replies, well, it's been a while, it, it, and it's just so hard to be ignored. You reply with, well, I, I know Sonny well, and that just doesn't sound like him. How about if we just call him and see what's up? So you dial the phone, put it on speakerphone, so all three of you can be in the conversation. Sonny picks up, and you say, you know, Spike was talking to me, and, and he's actually here on the phone call with us, and he was telling me how sad he is that you guys never talk anymore. And that, that is sad, because good friends need to, to talk and Sonny, on the other end, it's just quiet. It's just silence. And then finally, you hear Sonny's voice, and he says, well, you know, I'm kind of baffled. He says, I've been trying to get to talk to Spike for quite a while. So you look at Spike, and, and he's just got a blank look on his face. Sonny says, I've tried calling Spike every morning for the last month. Now you're curious because Spike has told you that Sonny isn't talking to him. So you look at Spike and you go, well, you know, every time he calls, I'm, I'm busy with something else. Sonny goes on to say, I double checked and I, and I know I've been calling the right cell number. So you look at Spike and he goes, well, I really wanted him to call on the house line. <laughs> Sonny says, I even sent him emails. I Facebook messaged him. I tried Zoom and FaceTime to try to get a hold of Spike. You look at Spike and he says, well, I don't like all that technology. Sonny goes on. He says, for a while I tried different times of the day, but all I got was voicemail. You look at Spike. Well, you know, he knows I've got a lot on my plate. Sonny says, I'll keep trying, but I'm at a loss. Spike replies, see, I told you. He never talks with me anymore. Now, what would you say to Spike? Are you just stupid? You know, that, that's really what you want to say. What, what kind of, that doesn't even make any sense. Why would you say, 
You just heard Sonny. He wants to talk to you. He's trying to talk to you. He's making every effort to talk to you. And you're telling me that he never talks to you anymore. And Spike goes, well, he doesn't. Because you're not giving him access. You're not giving him, um, you're not giving him the ability to talk to you. And yet, I wonder if that scenario might be true when we think we're not hearing from God. Because we're not picking up the phone when he calls. We're not listening. We're not giving him sufficient time and access to ourselves. And I have discovered many times God saying to me, I, I just need you to spend some time with me. And, I, and, and oftentimes when I'm spending time with him, I don't I, you know, I hear anything for quite some time. But if I stay engaged long enough, begin to hear. It's not about working harder. It's about listening better. It's about giving God enough access. If you go back to Luke chapter 24, verse 25 again, it says, oh, you foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And so they didn't run away. Instead, they stayed engaged and they took it. We live in a society also where not only is blindness our default, being easily offended is the norm. Isn't it? And if we're not careful, we will become easily offended with God. Because sometimes he has to tell us hard things. Amen. And we have to stay engaged and we have to man up and, and take it. Because here's the deal. God is God, which means he's never wrong. <laughs> so if he's saying something to you, it's true. And I find myself arguing with him oftentimes. He'll tell me something. I go, no, I don't do that. He goes, yes, you do. No, I don't do that. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. You're God. I'm not. <laughs> and then I start listening. And then I discover that here's our, my loving Heavenly Father who is talking to me because he's got good things for me. He's not trying to hurt me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 19 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. We could, we could uh, insert our phrase there, live in relational conversation, moment by moment. Live in conversational relationship, moment by moment. So if we're going to give God sufficient time and attention, that means we've got to turn off some noise at times. Maybe when we're driving, instead of listening to something, we turn on an audio scripture or we just give God some quiet time or we worship or just giving him enough time. I mean, here's an experiment if I really want to meddle. How much time do you watch or listen to other things compared to the time you listen and watch God? You know, if we got our nose buried into network television for a couple of hours a day, where's your mind going to go? It's not going to go to God, I guarantee you that. Unless you look at it and go, oh Lord, oh God, please help. Got real quiet right there. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not say no to the Holy Spirit. Do not ignore the Holy Spirit. Give God sufficient time and attention. And one of our hallmark scriptures in Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's just walk in step with the Spirit. Put your head in the yoke and walk in step with the Jesus. We have to give Him sufficient. And I just put conversations through the Holy Spirit within. When we pray, just spending time with Him, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Just talk with Him. Conversations through the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, don't look at it as an academic book, but as a conversation. And so when you're reading it, asking the questions, God, what are you saying to me here? Why, are you, why is that sticking out? What do you want me to do with it? So we're in this conversation, asking him, God, as we're reading the Bible. And then conversation along with others. That's why prayer gathering, learning community, men's group, women's Bible study, times together, just hanging out together. Talk, that's why it's so important, because the Spirit of God works. The Spirit of God in you, connecting with the Spirit of God in me. Next, next arrow. God will connect the dots according to his plan. God will connect the dots according to his plan. One of Spike's problems <laughs> is that he wasn't giving God access. He wasn't, he w or his friend access, and suddenly was trying to communicate with him. And another problem, I think, is that we think it's simpler than it is. Did you know that relationships are complicated? I know it's, I, you know, I know some of you never realized that. So what makes us think a relationship with God is going to be simple? If we know it's complicated with anybody in our house, especially with somebody who insists on salt and pepper shakers <laughs> being a particular order, <laughs> what makes us think it's going to be simple with God? So, a number of weeks ago, we talked about connecting the dots. And I want to come back to that because here, so connecting the dots, do we have the picture? So this is where the phrase comes from. I don't know, maybe when you were a kid, I know we used to have these books, highlight magazines, different things where you connect the dots and you're supposed to start with one. And by the time you got around, you're supposed to have what? Fish. A fish. It's so simple. And we think that's how it should be with God right? It's, it should be simple. We, we hardly even, we don't need anybody to help us. We can connect the dots. Just give me the picture, God, and I'll connect the dots. I'm smart enough to do this. What kind of idiots are we? We think it's going to be like that. Here's closer to the truth. <laughs> now, I don't know if you can see this, and I can't walk, I'll get off camera, but there are dots in the thousands on that picture. I get one, one, nine, one, 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 four, two. How in the world would you ever do that? <sighs> That's what it's like. That's what the Christian life is like. When we need God's help to connect the dots. And frankly, when you get my age, you can't even read them <laughs> without the Holy Spirit glasses. Right? But He will if we stay with him and stay engaged and give him sufficient time, he'll connect the dots. So I don't know how long it took him to walk between Jerusalem and Emmaus. I don't know when he joined along with them. I think it was like seven miles 
and I don't know, but it, there was sufficient time for him to have this conversation, to start in the Old Testament and work his way through saying, here, here's one dot, here's another dot, here's another dot, here's another dot, until by the time they got to the house in Emmaus, the Holy Spirit would give them the ability to hear. There will be experiences when there is no hope unless we turn to God to connect the dots. We can try to connect them ourselves. You know, some things in life are, are simpler and you just need to be in the presence of God to you know, make sure you're getting it right. But there are times when we face circumstances and relationships and, and struggles and problems and anxiety and that we don't have a chance. Except the Holy Spirit says, here's the next dot. Here's the next dot. Here's the next dot. Just stay with me. Think about Job. In his time, God speaks. In his time. Job was in pain for a long time. Right? And, I mean, with that kind of pain. He was, he was in pain. And he cried out to God and God didn't hear him. He cried out to God. God didn't hear him. He cried out to God because it was the time. But at the right time, God's time, God shows up. The Apostle Paul, formerly Saul, had all the information. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was one of the smartest guys. He had trained under the, one of the best um, the, uh, Pharisee teachers. He knew, but his eyes were still closed. But in God's time, he met him on that Damascus road and he opened his eyes. God speaks in his time. God speaks in his time. And I think um, if you're reading the scripture passages that we've come up with uh, daily readings, well, you're going through the book of Acts. And, and this is example after example about how God connects the dots, how God brings to light how God helps us understand in his time. And God speaks with us in his ways. In his time and in his ways. As we've been going through this, this encounter, did it ever cross your mind why these two at this time? They weren't a part of the original 12 we only know the name of one of them. But why? Why, why these two? And it got me thinking, I, there, there aren't any answers because the scripture doesn't tell us why he chose these two. But I, I just wonder if, I ha if it wasn't because these two were walking at least a couple of hours and everybody else back in Jerusalem was all in a frenzy you know, they're, they're debating whether the women are telling the truth about seeing an angel. You know, they're all in a frenzy and they're all together and they're, they're just, it's, it's just a buzz. You can't hear anything, anybody. But these two are just walking along. God had access to them. And so in his time and in his way, he revealed, now, we'll come back to this next week, but as he reveals this from Scripture, he takes Scripture and he reveals it from Scripture, a part of the assignment was 
he was giving them the message to take back to the group. God's time, God's way, he speaks. One thought that came to me as I was thinking of praying, and I, I just thought it was so powerful, I wanted to put it there for you to take home. You might want to write it in your journal or someplace. We must learn to hear the message God speaks, not the message we want to hear. <laughs> now, you know that's from God because Herb's not that smart. But how often we want to hear what we want to hear. I'm sure you never tried this, but I remember when I was a kid and I went to my uh, dad and asked him if I could do something. And he said, no. So I went to my mom and asked her if I could do it. But my dad overheard me asking my mom. And yeah, because I was trying to get the message I wanted. I wanted to get the answer that I wanted. I wasn't wanting to get the answer that they had for me. And we need to be careful that we don't, we, we don't say, God, we know, that, we know that this will be best. And we, and, we, and we don't listen for the message that God has for us. God speaks his time, his way. God knows what he's doing. Um, God does not always, so here's some final thoughts. Well, before we go there. Even Jesus used the Bible to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Mm -hmm. So what in the world makes us think that we can hear God connect the dots without reading the Bible? Part of giving God sufficient time and sufficient access is giving him sufficient for time as we are in the Bible. And so if you're not having conversation with God, through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit, regularly, you're not hearing God speak to you. Because that's the way God works. So don't complain. Don't be like Spike. That's going to become a thing around here, isn't it? Don't be like Spike. God does not always connect the dots. Because sometimes he just, it's not in his plan to tell us. God never connects all the dots. So there are some things you're going to have to live with, answers that you're not going to have in this life. But God always connects the dots according to his loving plan. As we surrender, listen, and obey. So some points of application. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is all about. Surrender, listen, and obey. Every day, get on your knees to surrender the authority so that the Holy Spirit has full access to you. And then walk through every day following the nudges so that the Holy Spirit has full access to you. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. And then keep your head in Jesus' yoke as we talked about in the last week or the week before. Just walk in step with him. Walk in step with him. Would you bow your heads? Three questions at the end of the message, three questions in our journal pages is what stuck out to you? What is it that God was, is pointing at for you today? And why did it stick out?
And what does God want you to do with it? Because it's not about just knowing. It's about putting it into practice. Walking in step with Him. Letting Him transform us. Letting Him connect the dots. Letting Him love us through whatever we're going through. And trusting. Lord, I pray that you would take what you've taught us today and you would guide us to surrender more deeply, to listen more carefully, to obey more passionately. And in doing so, that you would turn our lives more right side up and you have more access to flow through us to be soldiers for you. I pray for us as a congregation that you would make us an army <coughs> that serves you, that is banging on the gates of hell, rescuing those who are captured by sin and helping one another to grow. Lord, have your way. We surrender, we give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.